3: Welcome to the Football Ramble. Arsenal beat the Champions. Kane hits 200. It's Thursday, the 16th of July. I'm Jules Breach.
2: I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Brassell.
3: Yes, we are gathered here today on Thursday the 16th of July, the day after Arsenal beat the Champions Liverpool by two goals to one. And Jim, the Arsenal fan, is still in disbelief.
2: (laughs) I am in disbelief. It's a happy disbelief,
3: but it's... What a weird game. It was so weird. What a strange game. I, I feel nice and
1: relaxed now because when you started that, we have gathered here today. I thought, <laughs> me and Jim aren't getting married to celebrate, <laughs> are we? That would be a touch too far.
3: It was odd though, wasn't it, Jim, in terms of the match. I mean, Arsenal were gifted the two goals yeah. in the first half. Liverpool's goal was, was pretty decent before that. Yeah, And the second half was so strange in the sense that... Liverpool had so much possession. I think Arsenal's possession stats by the end of the match was about 29% in that second half. But I think there was one moment in the second half where Liverpool had 95% of possession for about 15 minutes.
2: It's, It's absolutely incredible. They had a lot of shots as well. I think it was 17 shots in the second half. But I think it seems to be that the key to beating Liverpool is... Let them batter you when they're not trying that hard, <laughs> which is a rare set of circumstances that you're uh, that you're going to find yourself in, and then pounce on mistakes that they might make once every two years. Like two mistakes like that in a game is unheard of from this Liverpool team. And uh, Lacazette was excellent in in pouncing on both of them in in the various ways that he did. So it wasn't they weren't completely clear cut. They weren't quite as bad as, as let's say a classic Arsenal mistake. So some credit is deserved there, but it was odd wasn't you're, it I you're mean,
1: not having anyone taking your mistakes crown
2: oh no no that's our thing we've got we've got really <laughs> Liverpool, mistakes. Liverpool have got the
1: championship they're yeah. not having that clownish right.
2: mistakes and the worst fans in the world you know the ones i mean um and <laughs> yeah it's just it, it, it was it was great it was, it was brilliant i can't believe we sort of like that, that set of circumstances happened but um it, it was brilliant and it's actually a much needed kind of three points that i did not expect us to get
1: It is interesting, isn't it,
2: how beauty is very much in the eye of the
1: beholder. I remember Henry Winter tweeting during the game, oh, we can see Arteta's plan clicking into place, and the 3-4-3 and the incessant pressing that is pushing Liverpool into these mistakes. I mean, that's fine, it's his his opinion. I'm not tearing anyone out, but... Not everyone saw can it. <laughs> see it like that. Yeah, exa- yeah. I'm not, exactly. I'm
3: not so sure, particularly Virgil van Dyke's mistake was he was pushed into that mistake at all. It was just a lapse of concentration, wasn't he, it? He
1: thought he was pushed into it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he, did. was, he was. He was complaining about the, well, it was, it was just
2: the touch on the shoulder, really, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I think he was probably just in shock. Like he you saying to the ref, I, I don't do that, do oh, that's I? That's not me. I don't do those things. There. No, this, something's wrong. Something must be wrong. Uh, do you reckon he's maybe past that point where he feels it's acceptable
1: for him to be challenged? I mean, I remember yeah. Zlatan talking about, when after his couple of first weeks, at, um, Paris Saint-Germain, they were saying, what do you think of the French League? Obviously expecting him to say, oh,
2: easy, I'm the best. Yeah.
1: And what he said is, people tackle me over here. Yeah. It's outrageous. <laughs> he, was, he was absolutely affronted by
2: it. Yeah, I like that. But it reminds me also of when Al Pacino um, said that he got to a point where he had, all he had to do was turn up and be Al Pacino, and actually, like it was it was less interesting then because he, he didn't need to put so much into the roles and like develop the character so much. Maybe Van Dyke's got a bit of the Pacino about him. I don't know, <laughs> like, but I'm happy he has.
3: It, it was strange though because it, as we say, it was the first error that Van Dyke has made that has led to a goal by the opposition in 88 matches. That's
2: phenomenal. That
3: is quite something. Mm. Do you think there's an element of Andy that players kind of almost don't try and, and tackle him or is, is that part of it? or
1: It's the aura as much as anything else. I mean, it's it's, it's funny. I think Sergio Ramos is another one of those guys who has the aura. Have and you the, seen the his, like, his Instagram increases. picture?
3: Tell me. I'm, I mean, this, this body is it's actually frightening. Yeah. It's, it's not actually that nice which like a, m- I'm surprised to say
2: like a minus percentage body fat
3: yeah it's weird there's some muscles that I didn't know the body had in, in that body he's uh, probably he probably got some new ones he, 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 just,
1: he just looks like he's had a busy lockdown for the moment yeah. though and the fact that the beard is is going the full way I mean he, he does look kind of I, Game I, of I, Thrones extra at the moment it's not quite got to the bit where there, there used to be this um, guy who's a famous goal, a German goalkeeper Tim Visa, who played for um, Werder Bremen and he actually became a wrestler. You've talked about yeah. it on the ramble, ramble before. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And he went from like normal sized guy, you know, albeit with a decent build, into, as you say, m- muscle over. Every Knuckles. half finger, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's so weird. It doesn't. It doesn't quite look right. But he is a mean machine, isn't he?
2: He really is. I just feel like the, the amount of chicken breast he must get through in a day. <laughs> like sure, he's not eating anything else. Like it's 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 nuts.
3: Just chicken and broccoli.
2: <laughs> uh God. I'm st- sorry. I'm still reeling from the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was fun, wasn't it? It was it was it's it's nice when a game goes weird like that because there was a lot of weird little touches like. Um, The team's coming out to Triple H's music. Again? Yeah. I mean, I I know this is not the first time, but it does really feel like the end of the season is just, it's like the last day at school, isn't it? I feel like they might just sit down and play Monopoly.
3: I I, I (laughs) love it.
1: Kerncraft 400 has done pretty well out of lockdown, isn't it? (laughs) Everyone's been on that.
3: I love the fact that Arsenal's playlist is the thing that we talk about a lot because they have had an incredible person who has come in and and taken over that role and taken it quite seriously at half time I noticed they played Missy Elliott get your freak on absolute banger
2: yeah James Brown is often played after a a big victory and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun I think it's James Brown um uh, also, there, there is that good old Arsenal song. I don't know if you've heard it, but it, it is so bad. It is so, so bad. Does it? It's you know, one of the there's ones a been, bit of work to be done on there, the playlist, I think.
1: There's, there's very much a... Like, it's, it's all in a very definite playlist before kick-off at Arsenal normally. Mm. And obviously the guy just presses play and then goes, right, I have to leave the room because I've heard this like 500 mm. times before. So... How, you'll be able to tell me in what order it goes in. You've got that good old Arsenal song. Um, you've got London Calling.
2: Yeah, that that comes before that. The good old Arsenal song now tends to be the the thing that they come that come out to. This is the wonder of you. The wonder of you creeps yeah. in here and there as yeah. well. It's a it's a it's a funny old. Uh, Funny on playlist they've got going on there, but I, I'm enjoying the introduction of Triple H, and I do quite like this more informal Premier League that we seem to be seeing, where it's, like, it sounds like something we would have joked about in the past. You yeah. know, what wrestlers' theme music would you have teams come out to? And now stuff like this is actually happening. Yeah.
3: It's yeah, bizarre, isn't it? It is, but I quite like it anyway. I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing all that music. Now, after the game, Arteta's post-match um, interview I thought was quite interesting. He said, in terms of fight and hunger they matched Liverpool Mm. and that's something that he's obviously been working on with the team but in terms of players and investment they obviously have a long way to go would you agree with that Jim that in terms of fight and hunger Arsenal are there and they can match those top teams? I
2: think they sometimes can do that but that it tends to be in response to when they've got a little bit of slack and that slack has become unacceptable. So we've seen it so many times over the years when Arsenal sort of commit to a press or if they sort of dig in and they give a good defensive performance. Um, it's it's there. It's absolutely there throughout a season, but it's just not consistent enough. The thing with with Liverpool, and obviously they're streets ahead, um, is you get that from them in every game. They lost that game and you, st- you know it was still there. You know, yeah. and they, 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 you know, selling a Manet aside, obviously not everybody was playing at their absolute sort of top speed, but Liverpool still, you know, did what they do. And Arsenal don't do it in every game. Um, and Arteta's right. And I think he's he's figuring out which members of his squad he can rely on to do that and trying to sort of, you know, mould those that um, will perhaps be amenable to just you know, being a bit more um, coherent in terms of consistency. But the thing that I was most encouraged by was how... He spoke about how it's going to be very, very difficult to improve without significant investment. Yeah. The board probably don't want to hear that, but they do need to hear it. And I'm, I'm really happy that there's a manager there who's happy to say that and is perhaps happy to kind of um, publicly go against the party line, perhaps because. Do you think he's? About- do you think he's starting to realise that more? I think so. There's he didn't seem of that, too positive there, about it, did he? No, he didn't, no. which is really interesting. He's mm. just beaten the champions in yeah. weird circumstances, yes, but the the, the narrative that he, he comes out with is that he, he needs more money. And you don't really expect Mikel Arteta to be a sort of uh, political manager in terms of his post match interviews you know you'd expect that from Jose Mourinho Pep Guardiola to a degree we've seen a lot of managers do it but Arteta we're still figuring him out as a as a manager and I'm I'm really encouraged by that actually because it, uh, it it's just an, an obvious truth that is one of those things that's so frustrating as an Arsenal fan you do feel kind of hamstrung and handcuffed by the by the owners because you know they uh, they effectively use the club as an investment vehicle and realistically if Arsenal want to get back to that top table they've got oh, clearly they have to spend so um, yeah that's a two very strange positives from this evening.
1: Isn't that the weird thing about being a head coach, and particularly a new head coach? Though that sort of creation of your your own image, and and that's normally you're, I think, encouraged by the environment that coaches grow up in 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 general to be that sort of. I have all the answers. This is definitely me. I want to present the strongest possible version of me, and you can't show any sort of weakness or doubt, or perceived weakness, I mm. guess. Whereas, in, in fact, I think changing your opinion is like actually, or evolving your opinion as time goes by, is the sign of a, a healthy mind. And yeah. and that's what you've, we've got with Arteta. I suppose the thing is, because, and I've said this from the beginning with him, because he's such a good communicator, he can, it, I think he's almost got a little bit more leeway. Because, mm. you know, he's, you have to ask with Arsenal, is the content that different than it was under Emery. Not always. I think, you know, you you want to feel that they're going in the right direction, but his rhetoric informs that so much. I think the interesting thing when you talk about what he's trying to do is Lacazette becoming part of it again Mm. because his departure seems like a fair complete when you go back just a couple of weeks, he's a little bit marginalised. But for me, if you want to play that sort of style, he's the first player you want in the Mm. team because the fact is, even, even when he's having a crap match, he will give you a full shift. If I think of all the great players that Leon have produced over the years, who've left, who, if they made an improbable comeback, I would be delighted with. Him and Mtiti are the two that stand out. If I could have one of those back mm. tomorrow, it, would be like, it, w- it wouldn't be Benzema, and it wouldn't be Fekir, actually. It, even though they're they're far easier on the eye, just because you know what you're getting out of them every single yeah. game, even if they're out of form.
2: Yeah, it's that battling spirit that I really like about Lacazette. It's the way that even if uh, he does go through a little bit of a goal right I mean, he's had that issue that it was only fairly recently that he, he you know started scoring away from home again. Mm. Um, but he he does fight and he takes it to defenses and it, his hold up play is really good as well. And um, yeah, he's uh, I mean, Aubameyang leaving is is probably quite likely, but hanging on to Lacazette as well is important because it's, it's completely feasible that I could lose both. But um, I have to say, I think my one of my highlights of the game as well, I watched it on Sky, was, um, was David Jones uh, having to do the little little movie plug that, uh, that is kind of thrown into Sky <laughs> at the moment. It's
3: always so awkward, isn't it? It is,
2: but th- this one was particularly so because it was Ad Astra. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it's a no. very weird, quite cerebral, thoughtful movie about Brad Pitt uh, in the near future taking a trip to Net- Neptune to track down his absentee <laughs> father Tommy Lee Jones right and it's, this, it's it's a good movie but it's it's a bit of a curious one um and like Graeme Soonis is just disdain oh, for the concept of that what was so funny
3: his face was just like
2: what what the hell I'm not watching what? that I'm just yeah. gonna watch football and think about football I'd, I think they should put Soonis on these a little <laughs> sort of them. like you know I little love little the change club. of
3: gear though it's like and it's a brilliant win for Arsenal they've beaten the champions Liverpool by two goals to one and still to come on Sky Sports this week we've got the movie. we yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: have
2: to
3: do this yeah. weird gear That's, change.
2: So there's these two cowboys. Like,
3: it's like <laughs> yeah. So, so it's next, uh,
1: uh, is your vision for Graham Sinister going, and coming up next. We're going to have a heartwarming, yeah. a romantic comedy starring Jennifer Aniston.
2: Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. That would be good. Well, I mean, why not? We've got wrestlers music for teams to come out. It it
1: feels a bit bit Europa League to me, isn't it? Oh, don't talk about
3: the Europa League to Jim. (laughs) Adventure. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it next year. That was a
2: private conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. You don't? I recognise the need for it, but like part of me sinks at being in there. I mean, ideally, I just want to be, I want to win the league and be in the Champions League. Sorry, it's not going to happen, Jim. It's not going to happen. No, but actually, I genuinely have thought that. The we probably wouldn't even finish in Europa League place because I just I thought it was realistic that we would lose this game and then Villa and Watford have got a lot to play for mm. and we might just be out of the running by then. But actually now, I mean, I suppose after the week in Liverpool, three is bad six. for Villa, isn't yeah. it? Well, so that hence it has happened. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about your it. theory, yeah, yeah. Um, so now I think actually. There is a chance of getting into it. I'd sort of thought, oh, you know what, maybe um, maybe I won't be busy on Thursday nights. But I recognise, obviously, the club need to be there. If they can't be in the Champions League, they have to be in the Europa League. So, yeah, and what could for... have to just be a spoiled fan and lump it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what for Liverpool, though? Because it means that they can no longer get the record points total mm. over 100. It's a maximum of 99 points only possible for Liverpool now. Yeah. Um, do you think they mind? Do you think they care? It shouldn't
1: matter. I think Jurgen Klopp minds. And it's one of the things that you've sort of rediscovered about him in recent weeks. And I I think we might have mentioned this in a a, a recent show. What a terrible loser he is. And I
3: love that. He was raging. I loved his face at 2-1. It was my face (laughs) on the sofa as well. He was sat there just with his mouth wide open, just like, "Are are you for real? What? yeah what's going on out there boys sorry is that
2: a joke is, is, you know you can't joke
3: yeah what is well, this is an actual football match and you're losing <laughs> the
1: thing is his current glasses are very much like my wife's old glasses so when he pulls that face I actually feel that I'm being told off from within the television which is, is quite an uncomfortable prospect <laughs> that is strange
3: there was another corridor of applause Andy oh, Russell, God. before was... the game Um, they've dropped points Liverpool now in four of the seven games since the restart should there still be a corridor of applause?
1: Well, I don't think it really suits them, does it? <laughs> no. It obviously uh, sets them too much at ease. Look, I, I don't think it really matters in terms of, uh, of uh, records or anything like that. If you say to Liverpool at the start of the season, you're going to win the league with some comfort that they're having yeah. that. And that, that's fine. They have been the best team by a mile and dropping a load of dead games doesn't really matter. Except, when you go back to Klopp...
3: Why can not they lose think... to Brighton? I mean, <laughs> for does <laughs> sake. But does, doesn't
1: this just keep them on their toes? The fact that Klopp is getting that rage that's maybe because yeah. I think the most difficult thing with Liverpool going forward you look at that team and they're in a not entirely dissimilar place to the one that say Real Madrid were in 2017 after they won the Champions League you look at that team and you think how can you improve it and I think it's not an unreasonable answer to say it's great don't improve it Yeah. but but that is that is not good thinking you know you need to be thinking at, and again I've said before you, there, there is going to come a point where Klopp and the club, if they want to renew that team, and if they want to turn this from a Liverpool championship into a Liverpool dynasty, there's going to come a point where they're going to have to make some unpopular decisions and ditch some players who are really, really loved and have done a lot for them. Mm. Because that's what you have to do to maintain it. And there's going to come a point where they'll maybe... I don't know, Flick Firmino or Jordan Henderson or someone like that. Something that feels now, if you're a Liverpool fan, loving the moment, absolutely unthinkable. And these moments help you to do that because yeah. these are the moments that Klopp will say, right, we've got to freshen this up.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's like a sort of a forest fire is actually good for the forest in some cases. It is one of those examples, isn't it? But actually could it be that if this complacency is going to be there because it looks like there is a little bit of complacency from liverpool in terms of um it's, it's a, I know this is a weird example of a game because they had so many shots and they really did batter arsenal but you know the the games they've lost recently sort of paint that picture it's better for them to surely have that now than it is at, to for it to like pop up at the start of next season oh yeah ab- absolutely
1: yeah. 100% but i i just i just wonder I mean, I'm not saying like just one match against Arsenal could change your whole transfer policy, but say if if you're in a
2: <laughs> imagine
1: <laughs> if you're in a if you're in a position of transfer deciding power at Liverpool, and you see that is is that maybe is this maybe one of the games that makes you think if we, if we're going back a couple of weeks before we signed for Chelsea, think oh, maybe we do make the effort and sign Timo Werner. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even, even though he's not definitely straighten our first team. Do we need to put more pressure on these boys? Mm. You know, maybe that does make you have a a bit of a think about it.
3: Yeah, very interesting indeed. Well, also last night, Spurs beat Newcastle 3-1. Harry Kane scored a brace in the game, which means he now has 200 club career goals in 350 appearances uh, between the clubs he's played for. Spurs, Millwall, Leighton Orient and Leicester. Did you remember that he played for Millwall and Leicester? I,
2: vaguely. <laughs> vaguely? Because, yeah, there's that, that famous picture of uh, Harry Kane and I think Jamie Vardy on the bench together for Leicester. It's weird, long isn't
3: final, it? It's yeah. weird to think of him at anywhere other than Spurs. It's
1: funny, like for um, the Champions League weekly, I went up to do um, a TV interview with a couple of Leicester players a couple of years ago when they were in the, the, the Champions League before they played the the final with that Atletico Madrid. And I was, I was, one of the players I was getting ready to interview was, uh, Danny Drinkwater. And he'd obviously been there for a sustained period and, and been through some stuff with, with, with Leicester. And it's, it's funny. I was, I was looking back at where Leicester had been relatively recently. And I was, I was thinking of that, uh, Watford Leicester playoff, uh, you know, with the knockout penalty miss and Dini yep. goal right, right, right at the end. And I was at that. It was an incredible game. And, um, it's funny. I remember looking at that to refresh my memory on some of the detail. You're like, oh my god, Harry Kane came on in that game. Yeah, so and it's like weird, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah. But it's, it's incredible. I
2: mean, among my friends who are Spurs fans, which I do have, believe it or not, it's interesting because Harry Kane was he was almost a little bit of a joke figure when he started. He was like the Europa League striker and, they, you know, he, he perhaps yeah. looked a little bit gawky when he was younger and there they was kind of thought he was just like a kind of useless option off the bench and the transformation is
1: it's absolutely amazing. phenomenal. There's, there's
2: nothing really in, those, in, in those loan spells that made me think,
1: really, he's going to play even more than a handful of games for Tottenham. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know it's easy to rewrite history yeah. and like, like you know, obviously when the documentaries come out, there's going to be people going, oh, I always knew, I always yeah, knew. Yeah. But, but you know, well, I, did, I didn't always know. No, I didn't and quite know. a lot of other Same. Spurs people didn't. No,
3: I think when we, when we talk about football, we throw around numbers quite flippantly, don't we? So yeah. Harry Kane has reached 200 club career goals. To put it into perspective, it's quite an incredible achievement that he's done that in just 350 appearances because that is quicker than... Cristiano Ronaldo reaching his 200 goals for club matches. That was 379 games he did it in. Sergio Aguero, who I still think is the best striker in the Premier League, he did it in 396 games. Thierry Henry did it in 439 games and Wayne Rooney in 449 matches. It is
2: phenomenal. It's
3: amazing he's done it in 350 appearances. And and this surely, I think, means that it's another one of those milestones in Harry Kane's career that... Makes me think again he surely has to be. Alan Shearer's record in the Premier yeah. League he's got to get there hasn't he?
2: Yeah well you, you imagine he will and I think he'll get Wayne Rooney's record for England as well but yeah, you've got, you got so. to ask has there ever been a solitary runners-up medal with such an amazing record attached to it?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no but yeah um, being, being a dick aside I think he's, he will probably <laughs>
3: Harry Kane's a gonna, dick? No. <laughs> no,
2: Jim Campbell's a dick <laughs> one of those third person guys um, yeah um, I, I think he's, 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 he'll surely be gunning for that because I think one of the things that's so impressive about Kane is is it so much of it is from him, isn't it? He identifies a weakness in his game and then he, he just scrubs it out because yeah. he, he scored so many goals for Spurs across so many different competitions. He scored goals for England. And if you look at the absolute huge, huge difference in the styles of play between Pochettino and Mourinho, it, it, it's Kane's not missed a step, has he? Like he's such a versatile player, and I think that's what's going to give him a really good chance of ever hitting that record. I think the interesting thing in the,
1: in, in the last couple of games, particularly, he's started to look like Kane again. Because I, to be honest, I think a lot of the football in the Premier League has been quite flat since mm. it's come back. I, I mean, I think maybe maybe we're we're now at the point where we have to recognise and we should have recognised that you know we always talked about the Bundesliga relying on its atmosphere. The Premier League does the Premier League really does rely on that atmosphere mm. I, I think to create momentum and to to create something on the pitch as well and I, I think I think it has got to do with um, the, the way the game is played uh, this sort of absolutely breakneck pace as well I think that's quite difficult to replicate after 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 the break but um I mean, it, you can't really single out Harry Kane because of that, but Harry Kane has looked off colour for a lot since the a lot of the time since the restart. But the last couple of games, I mean, the extraordinary thing about Harry Kane, and I think why you can put him in the same sort of. Bracket at least as Messi and Ronaldo, even if he's not quite there yet. I think first, firstly, the numbers, mm. uh, and you know, n- not with teams that are as prolifically trophy-winning as Real Madrid and, and, and Barcelona. What Jim was talking about about that absolute, you know, drive to eradicate all those sort of weaknesses in the game for it, isn't and, he? and improve mm. something each year, you know, get to that point where he starts to become a monster in the air which he yeah. never was before. All those little things that he just obviously works on really feverishly and he's, you know, it was the point where dedication sort of tips over to obsession really mm. I, I, I think he's in that, that and sort all the of best bracket. sportsmen
3: have that don't they all of the best kind of most successful athletes have got yeah. that drive yeah. and have got that kind of desire to make themselves better and to continue winning and continue getting better what did you make of the actual performance itself because Jose Mourinho seemed absolutely delighted with it mm. he was in his post-match he was saying this is this was a brilliant performance from the boys, there. and he was he kept saying they're absolutely shattered, they're absolutely knackered. They, you know, they've had to play this game two games, uh, two days. Sorry, after their previous match, and they're knackered, but they were excellent. They were fantastic. Were they that brilliant?
2: I think when Jose talks about brilliant, he means they executed my game plan, <laughs> which is to you know. Just play the play the Jose way, win. which isn't always exactly exactly just just win and not necessarily have the most sparkling performance. So I think he's in talking in the context of them being tired from the North London Derby and they had a game. It was only two or three days before yeah. that, wasn't it? So they've played yeah. they've played a lot. Um, so I think that will be yeah that will be part of that. It wasn't exactly the most um, you know swashbuckling um, stylistic display, was no. it? What well, the
1: thing is, there's a lot of things we can nail Mourinho for, and and we do but in this context i don't think he was trying to argue as some people have suggested that you know we played dazzling football he was uh, we just hung in there I, yeah. I think that's what he was saying like like jim says now, I, I think that's fair enough and going back to the point i was i was making about harry kane i think that's part of that because basically he's a player who his his idea of of dealing with injury or lack of form is just play through it yeah. And that, that is what he's really got in common actually with, with, with Messi and Ronaldo. And you could see it coming back I think in, in the North London derby even though he didn't score in that. Mm, he, he, was, he just, he he just got, he got better and better as the, the, the game went on. And that just absolutely won't give in. Like loads of people have said he's not a Mourinho type of player I think he's very much a Mourinho type yeah, of player yeah because
2: a Mourinho type of player will just do what they're told right and, and Kane seems to be someone who's open to that it's like okay this is how we have to play this is the system then I'm going to fit my game around it because I want to score goals well it's attrition isn't it his game, yeah. it's a huge part of his game isn't it yeah.
3: yeah he's an absolute machine as are we here on the Ramble we continue every single day uh, but we do need a break just as Harry Kane does sometimes in his career so we're going to take a quick break now and then after that we're going to talk about uh, some interesting stuff that's coming up in the football.
1: Jack Mates Happy Hour is back for a brand new season. It's the podcast where we talk to some of the most exciting people in the world from Ricky Gervais.
2: In some ways, fame makes you a better person. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's watching me. But I, I know someone with a everyone else is.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> to
1: undercover police officers. Can you see the fading scar there, gentlemen?
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. That's where I was stabbed in the neck by a drug dealer once.
1: Or We just talk about whatever's making us laugh right now when you think back to school kid banter like it's well funny because of how immature it is we had yeah. this teacher called Mr McGibbon and he had this big cushion that he was teaching us how to rugby tackle on he just ran up to it rugby tackled it but landed on top of it and one of the kids shouted it's not your wife sir
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is funny
1: <laughs> listen to Jack Mate's Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you get your pods
0: Jack happy hour is a Stokano production.
3: You're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm here with Jim and Andy today. Uh, Before we talk about um, some stuff that's coming up in the football schedule, FIFA have released the schedule finally for the World Cup in Qatar. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the transfer window coming back as well. But uh, eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed? Is that a thing? No. Eagle-eyed listeners? No. Yeah. No, it doesn't well, work. Does depend it depends on the
2: end of the sentence. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Is.
3: Okay. Let me let me uh, say this again. Then, keen listeners of the Ramble uh, who were listening on yesterday's um, Ramble will have uh, heard Luke, Kate, and Vish talking about Ramble merchandise. And mm. we've had an email about this from Gavin McKay, McKee. Gavin McKee, uh, who says, "Dear Football Ramble, Luke ended Wednesday's episode with an appeal for Football Ramble merchandise, and I decided this was as good an opportunity." as... As ever, for some name puns, some intense thought later, and these are my merchandising suggestions. Are you ready for this, boys? Ready. This, this is good. So we've got uh, a Pete Donald Sun Lounger.
2: <laughs> 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 Weird thing to picture. Just yeah. his head over and over again, I'd imagine.
3: <laughs> Kate Mason Jars. Nice. They are right. good, and that's a good one. Uh Jim Camping Belt. It's
2: a stretch, yeah. that, isn't it?
3: To be fair, Gavin's been kind to your name because there could have been lots of bell (laughs) uh, (laughs) puns.
2: Camp bell. I mean, uh, no one seemed to notice that at school. (laughs) That's an absolute playground given. But uh, yeah.
3: You got away with that one. Mm. Um, We've got Vithush hand sanitizer. Nice. Topical. Very topical. Like it. Uh, This one for me, Jules... Brie cheese making Kits, which I want one of. (laughs) Please, Gavin, if you would like to, you know, get this made and send me one, then I'll gladly accept. And uh, this one, Andy Brass Selfie Stick.
1: I mean, it's a product that I very much don't endorse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Apart from that, that's because I've got quite a long arm.
3: You do have long arms. You
1: see, see, the problem is, though... No need for a selfie
3: stick with you about.
1: Well, that's the thing. When I've got a group of friends, the thing is, you know when you take a selfie... It adds a couple of chins. Mm. I always have to take one for the Ah, team because I've got the the longest arm.
3: That's annoying. So
1: I have to do the selfie.
3: See, I'm the smallest person in every group of social circumstance I'm in and I always am at the back because I can never be the one taking the picture because my arms are tiny I mean I, I, I'm basically like a 15 year old girl I haven't grown since then
1: so you buy an Andy Brass selfie stick
3: I would a- happily take an Andy Brass selfie stick I'll take it I, you know what, I'd give most of these things a go
2: yeah it's a weird holiday <laughs> um but you could you could fit them all together I think
3: yeah Gavin says, I have ran out, admittedly, of um, weak puns at this point and just ended with Luke's game, the board game, and a heart slash Fulham half and half scarf for Marcus (laughs) as well. Uh, You're welcome, and please email back when royalties are sorted. Um, Gavin, you've got to make the product. You've got to make... You've got to make them for us and then we might consider it.
1: I still think, I, I don't want to steal directly from Bundesliga clubs, although they do already have all the ideas. So it's inevitable to a certain extent that we are going to steal some of their club shop ideas. But I know Kate was quite incredulous yesterday about the Borussia Dortmund toaster that burns the club crest on the bread. The other thing that I didn't mention was that when it pops up, it plays a club anthem. I think you could definitely oh, go, stop it. you could definitely go a Ramble toaster. Yes. Mm. Can you imagine that? Playing the theme tune when, when your toast is
2: ready. That would be great. Just a little stab.
3: What what number <laughs> do you have your, your toaster on?
2: Depends what I'm toasting. Oh really? Yeah. If I'm if it's just toast, I'll go about a third of the way up, maybe. If it's a crumpet, all the way up. Ah, and then like it a bit crispy. do it again with a tiny bit.
3: I'm, I'm wow.
2: on the dial. You got you got to cook a cook. You got to toast a toaster it properly.
3: So our boss man John has it on a number three. Now I feel like that is far too low. That's like warm bread for me. It's I a, like a bit of. I like a bit of brown on my bread. The
1: toasters have no consistency though. This is it. I yeah. mean, that's the, the toasters are essentially <laughs> the var of the kitchen.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> I have mine around three, and it's like it's it's not warm bread. There's really? not enough consistency in toast. I think a, we're realizing. This. I'm a
3: good four point five on mine. <laughs> But, but mine does go up to a seven, which is an unusual wow. number. I thought that was weird. Does that, it, Maybe um, that's the thing. That
1: right? reminds me of Sven discussing the Aston Villa job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> does it burn the Brighton Crest into the toast? It does not. Oh, yeah.
3: Although, do you know what I did get last week? Um, go I got a Brighton and Hove Albion face mask. Nice. Really? How good's that? That
2: is cool. I
3: know. I can't wait to wear it. I haven't, I haven't donned it yet, but um, my plan is to wear it on my next outing when I, when I actually eventually leave the house. Nice. There you go. Uh, I, right. Sorry, I do go have
2: um, an Arsenal branded um, bottle opener that plays the commentary <laughs> from Anfield 89 when you open a beer. Oh, wow. It's great. It was really? Part of, it's part of the membership um, thing from pro- probably about 10 years ago. So that's pretty great.
3: That is impressive. Andy, do you remember you went to Dortmund and you brought me back a Christmas decoration? I did. Yeah. Yeah, A little snowman. You did? To go on the tree. A little Dortmund snowman. Cute, isn't he? So cute. All right, let's talk about uh, the transfer window because it's back. Uh, The dates have been confirmed for the summer transfer window uh, from the 27th of July. We're only a week or so away from that now. The day after the Premier League season finishes and it will end on the 5th of October. However, for the first time, we've got this weird domestic only window from the 5th to the 12th of October where Premier League clubs can only trade with football league clubs and not with each other.
2: It's really ominous, this, isn't it? Because it shows that clearly there's going to have to be a bit of a pinch somewhere. Uh, So clubs are going to have to kind of think a bit differently, and um, EFL clubs are just going to have to suck that up and have their players kind of possibly sort of hoovered out of them. It almost it feels a bit like a sort of Premier League outlet store, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Don't you you think? Don't you think the opposite way is more likely Uh, that that EFL clubs will end up loaning players? You think from the bloated Premier League squads? Perhaps, perhaps no, I'd, it I'd, I'd, both ways it's, it's interesting because I'd, I'd taken it as as that way. I suppose the thing is because we've seen a domestic-only window in France as as well to preface the the, the current transfer window, and it is just a, the fact that everyone's going to be making it up as, it go, as as they go along at the moment. Mm. So there's got to be a way of broadly standardizing it across the major European leagues but at the same time there's a bit of wiggle room like if the the accounts look bad yeah you know I, I guess I guess that's the way isn't it
2: I suppose so it seems it strikes me as odd that they like, this needs to be so specific though yeah because it's you know the these clubs can trade between each other at other times. Why Up until the 5th of October.
3: Yeah, why is there a separate domestic only one?
2: Yeah. What was the reasoning for that in France, Andy? Do you know?
1: Yeah, so they could they, they could generate more money.
2: Oh, it, it was just, it was before genuinely quite, it was, quite cynical. Kind yeah,
1: of- before it was, before the, the, the wider transfer window was happening. So they could get something moving and they could they could get a bit of money flowing in the coffers.
3: Mm. Who do you think is going to be the busiest in the window, Andy, from Premier League teams?
1: Uh, well, I, th- I think Manchester City are going to be a lot bigger than they uh, busier than they would have been, mm. uh, and I think that's something that we've seen over the, the last couple of days. But it is interesting when you look at their their current war chest or their project, projected war chest. I mean, the the numbers that have been thrown around are like, like 150 million euros. The world has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Because how many players, how many game-changing players do you think Manchester City could get for 150 million euros? Two, maybe three? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless prices have changed that much, it's, it's it's not going to be a great deal. But it's it's funny actually that Manchester City against Bournemouth last night did make me think a little bit of, you know, I've heard people say, well, they don't really need a re- rebuild, they do need a rebuild. Bournemouth
3: nearly
2: got a point.
1: Certainly mm-hmm. in in terms of the squad, they need a, a, a rebuild. Yeah, nine if,
2: games is it they've lost? If, if
1: you're like a couple of changes away from having Stones and Otamendi at centre back, yeah. you need some changes.
2: It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think. They will sell players as well. They've already Pep Guardiola has already been talking about selling John Stones, hasn't he? And mm. like, but the thing is, it's how how much are they going to get in the market? Will they be better off waiting for some of these players, even with their contracts running down a little bit, to, to see reinflate if in value, stabilize? I'm interested in Chelsea because everyone knows they've got money, so they're in a weird position where selling clubs will probably go. Even in this scenario, we want more money, and will that just... Will that just screw the market again? Mm. Will it just will it just lead to a lot of clubs spending beyond their means? I guess we'll see. It's interesting, and they've done good so business short.
3: already, Chelsea. And 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 for next season, look like one of the teams to watch. You'd think. What about the goalkeeper situation at Chelsea though? Because that seems to be, whenever I talk to Chelsea fans, that seems to be the the the, the part where they're like they're just not happy with Kepa at the moment. I don't think he's completely to blame for their defensive issues this season, but he's certainly part of it, isn't he?
1: No, he doesn't inspire an enormous amount of confidence and always that that price tag, which is just really problematic in terms of perception. It always sort of dogs him. The, the, the fact is... If Chelsea had bought him six months earlier, they could have got him for a quarter of the price. Mm. And, and and that is that is the fact of the matter. I don't think anyone has ever ever said, or anyone reasonable has ever said that the price he cost was reflective of how much he's worth. Um, you know, you think you go back like six months before Chelsea bought him and Real Madrid um, wouldn't pay the 20 million euros because they're like, oh, he's out of contract soon. And then of course he signs the extended contract, which gives rise to to this release clause. But because they paid so much for him. They, they can't just give him away, which is a yeah. huge yeah. problem in terms of the way they're going to go forward. I mean, in terms of like the, the fact that they clearly need a defender, at least one defender, uh, they're still interested in, in Kai Havertz, who is not going to be cheap. I don't really see how they're going to make this goalkeeper thing happen. I mean, of course, there's been talk about Jan Oblak going there. And Oblak, I think there's a, there's a strong argument that he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, But on the other hand... What we don't know about him is how good he is with his feet. We know he's competent with his feet, but he's not an Allison, Mm. or he's not an Edison. Or if he is, he's been hiding it very well. The fact is, Atletico defends so much deeper than a lot of other teams, including Chelsea. Part of the reason they bought Kepa in the first place is because... He can come out and do that keeper-sweeper business. But we don't know if Oblak can do that because mm. a lot of the time he doesn't have to leave his six-yard
2: box. Does Oblak know if he can do that? No. He prob- won't really have had a reason to, to not. play that way. Exactly. Ex- so. ex-
1: exactly. So it's weird to say that you could buy the best goalkeeper in the
2: world and it could be a bit of a punt for you. Yeah. It's, it's strange. I mean, Kepa is he's 25. There's, there's a good argument that actually... It's not outrageous that he'll improve soon. Obviously, mm. Chelsea bought him as a long-term investment. So, is the thing need...
1: with goalkeepers that confidence is so much a part of it? Yeah. That whereas you could square that for an outfield player, the influence that that has on the team is so much. It's so much more yeah. difficult to sell, yeah. isn't more it?
2: Completely. But look at, look at Nick Pope. For example, mm. Nick Pope is so responsible for Burnley being so difficult to break down. Yeah, sure. You can yeah. see that in the way teams approach them and how you, you know that if you play Burnley, it's going to be an absolute nightmare of a game. Mm. And a lot of that comes from how how Nick Pope's confidence translates into the rest of the side. But, you know, mm. the opposite can also be true. And I think there's there's a danger of that becoming the case with Kepa. But, you know, I think would Chelsea perhaps be better off slightly risking that Kepa will get over this and improve and maybe get in some more reliable defenders to help him out yeah
1: maybe maybe some prop competition for him I mean mm. I'm not knocking Willy Caballero but you know I don't think he's anyone's idea of an A plus elite goalkeeper and also he's not that young is it? Yeah. So if if maybe you could get someone as as, as competition for for Kepa, maybe maybe that's your solution. I mean, funnily enough, look at Real Madrid. They've stuck with Thibaut Courtois because they kind of had to in terms of the investment they made in him. It's been brilliant this season. He's yeah. a key part of them, probably winning the league.
3: Yeah which they can do tonight. Is that Yeah,
1: they, they, they can do tonight. If they beat Villarreal, they're the champions and that's that. They're the Bernabeu. It's free on British television as well, which is very exciting. <laughs> Your mm. favourite
3: thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I love a bit of free. I love a bit of free. Uh, so that's, that's, that's quite exciting. Um, I don't know but, if
3: I can fit in the Real Madrid game tonight. There's so many football yeah,
1: matches.
0: <laughs> a, lot. a
3: lot. Come on. It's another game to fit in the schedule. Uh, speaking of schedules, um, FIFA have also released a schedule for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And it's absolutely insane. The matches are going to start on the 21st of November and they're going to end on the 18th of December. It's the first time, obviously, we've had a Winter World Cup. Slightly getting my head around it now, I think. Um, And there's a few positives to kind of look at with this. Um, I've been told that... The stadiums are all pretty close together, so the fans that are lucky enough to, to head out there for the World Cup can on some occasions go to more than one game in a day because they can go to one match at one stadium and it's just, you know, a stone's throw away to the next one. Amazing.
1: Of course, there is the fact that it'll be so hot that it'll take twice as long <laughs> yeah. as
2: it normally would to
1: walk that distance,
2: <laughs>
3: and you'll be a sweaty mess by the time you get to the second one.
2: <laughs> That's a given for the whole yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you're out there, it's, it's going to be so interesting, isn't it? Spectating a winter World Cup mm. because a lot of people are obviously a bit you know sad to see that change because there is something really beautiful about a, a summer tournament. It's just that the atmosphere in the in, in the country is great, but obviously we have got to look at other parts of the world that don't necessarily have have it that way. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's going to be kind of cool, right? Yeah, Christmas got, and I've, the World Cup I've at I've the got same my time. I've around sort of? it
3: now. I think like up, to, up to maybe about six months ago, I was still very sceptical about it and was like, I don't really like the idea of a Winter World Cup. But I think because of this kind of rescheduling, because of COVID-19, of the domestic season and the way things have changed, it almost now feels like, actually, yeah, I can see this now working. Mm. And for the first time ever, we're going to have Christmas off, guys.
1: <laughs> for people
3: who work in football, that kind of period between sort of middle of December to the yeah. first week of January when you get to the the, the FA Cup weekend in, in the first weekend of January, it's relentless. It's basically yeah. what we're going through now. But over Christmas mm. when you've also got a million Christmas parties nice. and well, that, that- socials and it is... Hardcore on the body <laughs> yeah. it is painful yeah. so for the first time ever we're all going to have a Christmas off and I th- don't there know has to do i actually be... have to see my family
2: <laughs> <laughs> none of us will have to sort of pick up five needless podcast bookings to get a break <laughs>
3: know, <laughs> it's going to be strange though isn't it
1: yeah it, it, will, it will be unusual I mean you know I, I guess it would have been interesting to find out if there were any sort of particularly keen players you know you can imagine like one or two in the England squad going yeah I, I can't celebrate our World Cup win because I've got to make it back for our uh, league cup fifth round game <laughs> which, which is in a couple of ga- days time. I
2: yeah. oh, well, I just got another Christmas party, sorry guys. <laughs> you have to get out of the group without me.
1: Hurry. But Come on. Th- the way it's condensed into this period of time. I mean, I think there are three rest days in the whole tournament. Oh, wow. You think you think there's a lot of football now. Essentially, we are now practicing for the 2022 yeah. World Cup. <clears throat> Except, I think the other thing and obviously there are a lot of problems with this world cup both in terms of the awarding the construction yeah. of the stadiums we all know about that in terms of the actual football I think there's an argument that this could be the best world cup in a generation because of course because it's not at the end of the season all the players won't be flaked yeah. which, which is, is going to make an enormous difference we're going to win it aren't we oh absolutely oh We've my basically god we're going to win the
3: world cup yeah I can't it's going to be hope. amazing
2: It's going to be so good. We're going to win the Christmas World Cup. Oh
3: my God. I am like on the Marcus end of the scale when it comes to international football. So I am well excited.
2: Do you think with it being at that time of year, Noddy Holder should be charged with doing the World Cup song? (laughs) <laughs> yeah I absolutely bring, do. bring them out of retirement Oh my god That would genuinely be amazing That would be so many <laughs> Conflicting happy emotions At once what a, what a mix up I am trying to Remind myself It's not a Christmas World Cup It's a winter oh, World Cup can we Cup. call
3: it A Christmas World yeah, Cup though Yeah Sounds better Do like it? a sort
2: of ad, can, Could you make the groups An advent calendar in some way <gasps> Well, this chocolate melt, I think. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's very true. That is very true. Well, look, there is uh, lots of football to look forward to far before the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Tonight, four more matches in the Premier League. Aston Villa have a must-win match at Goodison Park against Everton. It's Leicester against Sheffield United. Leicester trying to hold on to a top-four spot. Crystal Palace against Manchester United. And, of course... The big one, the South Coast Derby. It's Southampton against Brighton. It's not the South. The people that call it the South Coast Derby, <laughs> it's a South uh, Coast yeah, Derby. They need so so. To get in so the sea.
1: What's, what's what's the real? Derby? And they literally can. It's not that hard. <laughs> they can actually. So so. What's what's the real? Derby? Are we talking Worthing?
3: No, you having that? The what? The real South Coast Derby. So, so
1: what's what's your what's your real derby? Our derby. What's your real derby? Palace, isn't it? Oh well, yeah, but what's what's your real geographical derby? Palace. Now, No, Palace versus Brighton is not local, so it's not a Derby, it's a Classico.
3: It's closer... Than any other team on the south it's coast. The
2: Southern Rail Derby. <laughs> yeah, it
3: is. God, that Southern Rail. I oh, hate it. God. I'm glad I don't have to get it anymore. Now I live in London. Um. So yeah, Southampton, Brighton. It's a big game. Uh, for for the Seagulls, of course, who is now looking a little bit closer at the bottom of the table. So I'm going to watch that one, uh, and very nervously indeed. Uh, right. That's all from us today. On tomorrow's show, Marcus, Luke, and Pete will be here. They'll be talking about all of tonight's Premier League matches. Real Madrid probably winning La Liga and Leeds getting close. To being promoted to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. See you tomorrow, Ramblers.
0: This was a Stakhanov production.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.